Well, we're in the uh, second week of our Just Dating series. Yes. And I, I just, hold on. Man, I know you guys are pumped up because that, that freaking worship set, was that not awesome? So good. You know, I was, I was back there thinking about that song, and I was thinking about the scripture that Jay read uh, at the uh, kind of in between the last song and that song, as I was singing through the last, as we were singing through the last song, and you know, your love never fails. I'm just thinking about that whole idea that your love never runs out on me, and and when I think about that, I, I think about the fact that, man, God loves me so much. That the Bible tells us that God demonstrated his love in this, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That, that God chose to come after me, God chose to love me, God chose to send his son for me, even when he knew that I was going to disobey him, even when he knew that I was going to rebel against him, even when he knew I was going to do things my own way. And what happens is, and, and as we get into this conversation tonight, and this is kind of off the, off the notes, off the, what we're, where we're going, but this is so appropriate, and I think I'll just tie this in right here at the beginning. What happens a lot of times is, is we start thinking, man, how in the world can God love me? How in the world can God care for me? I mean, Derek, do you know what I've done in my life? Derek, do you know what I've been involved in? Derek, do you know what I've done? Derek, do you understand? I mean, Derek, you're up here talking about what you're going to talk about tonight, and I have failed in this area of my life miserably over and 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 over again. And all I feel is condemnation. All I feel is guilt. All I feel is every time I'm just being beat down because I can't measure up. And Jay read that scripture or quoted that scripture in Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore no condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because what happens is, is that when Jesus comes into your life and changes your life, all of a sudden now your identity goes from being sinner to saint. Your identity goes from someone that is separated from God to someone who is a child of God. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see your past. He doesn't see your junk. He doesn't see all your trash. He sees you as the righteousness of Jesus. That's the reason the Bible tells us, he who knew no sin, talking about Jesus, became sin. He came, became sin on the cross taking our sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him I mean that's pretty amazing and I know that there are many in this room who've fallen and you're carrying around guilt you're defeated there's no victory in your life and I'm here to tell you that God loves you. And God offers his forgiveness through his son, Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He doesn't put a clause after that and say, if you're good enough, if you never mess up again, if, if, if. He says, if you confess, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so tonight we're going to be talking about sex, we're going to be talking about purity, we're going to be talking about what does God say about that area of our life. And I know that there are people in this room who when we get into this conversation, there's a lot of guilt and there's a lot of things that are going to come in. 
a lot of things that you're not proud of, a lot of things that, that, that you, that you that just maybe even sometimes keeps you awake at night. And I want you to know that God loves you. And if you would put your trust and faith in him, he will forgive you. And the Bible tells us he will take your sin as far as the east is from the west, cast it into a sea of forgetfulness, that he will remember it no more. That he will no longer hold your transgressions against you. And though you may hold those transgressions against yourself, God does not hold those against you. And so as we go through this conversation tonight, I want to place that on the table up front so that you know, so that you know and can have confidence in the fact that there is hope, that there is love, that there is a deep care for you from the one true God. And so, with that being said, let's get into it. Tonight we're going to be in the second week of our Just Dating series talking about sex. What is God's plan for it? What does that look like in the boundaries of what God set up? And I think this is kind of a definition that I want to lay out here. A lot of times what happens is that when we start talking about sex, we talk, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. My, my goal tonight and my goal in this high school ministry isn't to, isn't to elevate the topic of sex. It is to elevate the place that God gives marriage. And we want to elevate marriage in this place because the Bible elevates marriage. The Bible talks about marriage. The, the, the marriage is God's idea as defined and written out in the Bible. Anyone who gets married in this world is saying and giving a covenant to one another that is a very uh, biblical and has Christian foundation to it. So every person who gets married is practicing and involved in a very Christian act because God has ordained marriage. God has put marriage together. And God has placed boundaries around marriage because anything that you, that you care about, anything that is worth something, you place boundaries around it. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, like, like we, we have, you know, things that in our house, like, you know, that are, that are very important to my wife and very important to me. And so we place boundaries around those things because we don't want to get them broken. And so my wife has, you know, um, she, my wife has jewelry and, and all that kind of stuff that she really cares about. And, and, and so if I went over and I started like trying to go through my wife's jewelry, she would stab me in the neck. You know what I'm saying? Like I know what the boundaries are in my house. My, my wife like, you know, I, say, I mean, the jewelry's over here. And if I walk in and I turn left in the closet, she's like, hold on a second there, brother. Where are you going? You know what I mean? I'm just, I think I sit with some shoes on the floor. I don't, I, I'm just, I don't know what I'm doing. Because the reality is, is that my wife is, has things that are important to her, so she sets boundaries up. I have things that I set boundaries up for in my life. Things that I care about. Things that are, that are, that are you know, important to me. And you do the same thing. See, one day I'm going to be a parent, one day you're going to be a parent, and when you're a parent, you're going to have children, and you're going to set up boundaries for those children. You're not going to say, all right, little Johnny, go hang out on I-85 and play in the middle of the street. You know what I'm saying? No, now I'm telling you, little Johnny is going to want to go play out in the highway, but you're not going to let him do that because you're going to set up boundaries. You're going to protect your kid. You're not going to like take your kid and be like, who's like two years old and just like open the door and like just push him out and close the door. And then like two hours later, go out and be like, all right, where's he at? And try to track him down, you know, like an eagle will just come by and just, <laughs> and just pick him up and fly off with your little kid. I don't know if that's going to happen, but that'd be pretty funny if it did. 
But you set up boundaries about things you care about. And God has set up boundaries around marriage. And God has set up boundaries around sex because this is something that God has created. God has ordained. God has given us as a gift. And he wants to protect that gift for us. And so he talks about it in the Bible in order in a way of protecting it for us. See, because it's a gift. And so when we approach Scripture and we start talking about sex and we start talking about this kind of stuff, I think it's first important for us to define what sex is in God's eyes based on the Bible. Sex is to be the way God designed it with the boundaries he set of it, set, or to be with one man and one woman in the context of marriage only. Sex as set up in the Bible to be enjoyed in the fullness of the way God designed it is for it to be with one man and one woman in the context of marriage. Now that's a loaded definition. And what we have to realize is, and before I go any further because some of you are getting uncomfortable because you may not agree with that definition. And the reason you don't agree with that definition is because you have developed some truth in your heart or in your mind based on things that you've been told in your life. And so you have developed this worldview or the way that you see the world, the way that you see everything, the lenses that you put on. You have developed those by your parents speaking into your life, by your friends, by your teachers at school, by everyone else in your life life. And the reality is your parents' opinion doesn't matter. Your teacher's opinion doesn't matter. Your opinion doesn't matter. Your friend's opinion doesn't matter. Culture's opinion doesn't matter. MTV's opinion doesn't matter. Nobody's opinion matters but God's opinion. Because God is the authority. He is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He created it. He designed it. So God is the one who defines it for us. And so this is not up for debate because God has already defined it for us. He's already laid it out for us. And so I want to read uh, in 1 first, uh, first Corinthians chapter 7. And then I want to back up to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you got your Bibles, you can open there. Let me set it up a little bit. Um, first off, 1 uh, Corinthians um, was written to the, to the church at Corinth. Now, Corinth is a, uh, is a, is a pretty, um, pretty kind of culturally diverse culture. Now, we look at American culture and we're like, man, you know, American culture is pretty sexually driven. The American culture has nothing on the culture of Corinth back in Paul's day when he writes this. He's writing to the church at Corinth, and the reason he writes this book to the church at Corinth is because all kinds of immorality and other things are leaking into the church. In other words, people are calling themselves followers of Jesus and going to church and participating in church and saying, hey, Jesus, I love you, and then they're walking outside of the church and they're going and participating in all these things that go completely against who God is and what his word says. And so what would happen is, is that they had this temple that was in the mountains right on the outskirts of Corinth. And in the temple, was, this was the temple of Aphrodite, the goddess of love. And there were over a thousand temple prostitutes. And so what would literally happen is someone would give their life to Christ. They would start going to church and all this kind of stuff. Some would be married, some wouldn't be married. And they would go out and they would have sex with these temple prostitutes. Or they would sleep around with other people. And they just didn't think that it was a big deal in order for them to participate in those things and still be a Christian and still come to church. And so Paul spends chapter 6 talking completely about sex, and then he gets to chapter 7, and he talks about marriage. I'm going to start in chapter 7, and then we're going to back it up, and I want to show you a few things, and I think this is really important, and hopefully we'll address some things and questions that you ask uh, along the way. So, First uh, Corinthians chapter 7, we got up on the strings. Now, for the matter you wrote about, 
It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her husband's own body but yields it to her husband. And in the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other, amen, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So let's go back to that first verse in this paragraph, uh, in, in the first verse in the, in the chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, verse 1. He says, now concerning these things, and, and this is what the literal Greek is, the New Testament of your Bible was written in Greek, the original language of 1 Corinthians was written in Greek. And so when they translate your Bible into the New Testament here, when they translate it into the New Testament, they translate it literally from those original manuscripts or from copies of those manuscripts that were written all the way back in the first and second centuries. And so some people are like, how can we trust the Bible? I mean, it's been translated and passed down through all these years. And so how do we know that what we have is true? It's because they don't translate this Bible from the Bible that was written 10 years ago. And 10 years before that, the Bible was written from that. They go all the way back to some 24,000 manuscripts that we have, 5,600 of them, which are Greek copies of manuscripts that were written within 150 years after the New Testament was actually written. So we know that the New Testament is 100% reliable in what it tells us. That's how we know. Sorry, I get off my soapbox there. So, uh, so what happens is we know the Bible, so the Bible says that. So the Bible is written in Greek, and this is literally what the Greek... That if you were to just to read the Greek straight for what it says in that verse 1, this is, what it, this is what it would say. Now concerning these things you've heard about, it is not good for a man to touch a woman. Let that marinate for a second. Now let me explain. The Greek word that's used for woman here is talking about a woman who is unmarried. It's the Greek word that is designated for a woman who is a virgin or for a woman who is unmarried. So this, literally, this is what it says. It is not good for a man to touch a woman who is unmarried. Now, what does that word touch mean? The Greek word for that word touch means to kindle, set a fire, or to set a flame. So literally what he's saying is, is that it is not good for a man to kindle a fire with or set a flame with something with a woman. See, this is what happens. We meet that guy or that girl, and, 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 and we have sparks. You know what I'm saying? And sparks happen. And I remember when I met Megan, and I saw her, I was like, dang, girl, come on. And uh, preach it. Thank you, Jesus. And, uh, and so... You know, I go in and I start talking to Megan and, and, and literally, and this is how it is still today. Like sometimes, like, I mean, not sometimes, all the time. I just look at her and I'm just like, I just can't stop looking at you. Like you're just so beautiful. Like I'm just, like sometimes she's probably just sitting there like, like why is this weirdo staring at me right now? And, uh, and, and she was so beautiful. And so like I would talk to her and I would, and I would just look at her, you know, and I would just kind of get lost. In it. And, and, and so like, like right off the bat, I mean, right when I met Megan, we start talking and, you know, and, and we had those sparks, you know what I'm saying? And we, we could talk for hours. We could, you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's this spark that's going on, right? And, and so there's nothing wrong with the spark, right? God has created us to be relational people and God has created us to be in relationship with each other. And God created marriage. In fact, 
if you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, even before the fall, even before sin, God said, when it was between God and Adam, he says to Adam, he says, listen, it is not good for man to be alone. And so God creates Eve for Adam. God designed this thing. He didn't want Adam to be alone. He designed this marital relationship between Adam and Eve. He started this whole spark idea. And so we had this spark going. And what he's saying here is, is that the spark is not a problem. What happens, though, is, is that when you begin to add fuel to the spark, it starts to kindle this fire, it starts to kindle this flame, and things start going in the direction that they shouldn't be going because that is only designed for the person that you're going to be married to. Now, I don't have to tell you the destruction that a fire can cause because I've told some of you guys before the story of when I've set two forest fires on accident, and, uh, and it doesn't take much, but literally, you just add fuel to a little spark, and all of a sudden, you get a flame. And the more fuel you add to the fire and you begin to, to put more wood on the fire and you begin to press into this, all of a sudden the flame begins to grow. And let me tell you, God designed us as sexual beings. He designed us in a way to when we get to a certain point, we want more and we want more and we want more and our motor gets to going and we get the googly ooglies and all of a sudden our brain isn't thinking clearly and all of a sudden we start crossing lines and going places that God never designed us to go with anyone but our wife or our husband. And so, you, so I have students ask me all the time, how far is too far? I'll tell you how far too far is. Too far is when you add fuel to the spark. Now, I don't know what that is for you. I remember the first time Megan and I held hands. We're sitting on the couch. My heart's like, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, our arms are close to each other. You, can like, you know, they're like touching each other a little bit. And I'm like, it's about to happen. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> and so, so, you know, I reach over, grab her hand. She looks at me and smiles. I smile. <laughs> Come on, player. And uh, do work. And uh, so, so I, we, we, you know, we, we're saying, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, man, you know, we're, we're just like, I mean, it's just like the top of the world. Like, I left that night. I'm like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then, and then what happens, though, is that, you know, the next time, because we've already held hands, it's so much easier next time for us to hold hands. So we hold hands. And then we hold hands. And then all of a sudden, it's like, man, I, re I really want to kiss. <laughs> and, uh, and so then we kissed. And my heart's again like, you know, going 100 miles an hour, and I'm so excited. You know, we, now we got this kiss, and, 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 you know, and so now we kiss, and now we're holding hands, all this kind of stuff. And, and you say, okay, well, Derek, you know, like, like, when, like when are we crossing the line here? Like, like what does it mean to have fuel to the fire? What does it mean when it's too far? Listen, let me tell you, there are some people that cannot handle holding hands. See, because when you start holding hands with that person, it makes you want to do more with that person. It makes you want to do more with that person. It makes you want to do more with that person. Some people can't handle kissing because kissing always leads in your relationship to something else. You say, ah, man, it's cool, man. You know, I'm keeping my relationship pure. Like, you know, like, I mean, we just have a makeout session every once in a while. Oh, really? Let me tell you, at least on my experience, makeout sessions 
always lead to more. They always do. I mean, if you're hiding in the basement with your girlfriend having a makeout session, trust me, it ain't going to take much time before it's going to go further. You start adding fuel to the fire. So how far is too far? First of all, I think that's the wrong question to ask to begin with as a follower of Jesus. Basically, what you're saying is, all right, Derek, seriously, man, you're my youth pastor. Like, tell me what the Bible says here, man. Like, how much can I do with my girlfriend over here without it being sin? Instead of asking the question, how can I honor God in my relationship in such a way where that's not an issue? Because, see, that's what happens, right? What happens is, is that we start going, and listen, this is what happens. You have the makeout session, and so the next time you get together, it's so easy to go back to the makeout session. And hands start going places, and when hands start going places, next time you get together, because you've already crossed that line, you've set a new boundary in your relationship. Next time you get together, you know you've crossed that line before, so immediately you're back to that line. And eventually, you're like, well, you know what? We're back to this line, and so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of bored. Of, so then we cross the line a little more, and then we cross the line a little more. Until eventually, you cross all the lines. You say, Derek, which line here am I crossing is sin? The first one. The first line. When you begin to add fuel to the fire, you've crossed the line. You say, Derek, that's not unfair, man. Why is God trying to take away our fun? God is not trying to take away your fun. For most of you, if you're married by the time you're 30 and you live to life expectancy, you're going to be married for 48 years. You've got plenty of time, trust me. Plenty of time. Sex is a serious thing. We're going to get into that a little more here in a minute. But be careful not to kindle that fire, not to take it too far. And in, in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3, just kind of attaching off of this idea, he says, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality among you. Now the word sexual immorality is used all throughout 1 Corinthians 6. You're going to see it in a few minutes when I read some of those passages. Now the word sexual immorality comes from a Greek word, the Greek word of, of, that was written during that time, uh, pornaya. That's where we get the word porn from. There's also a couple of other words that I'm going to show you guys in a minute in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Pornos and porne, which are also, porne being the feminine uh, root and uh, uh, pornos being the, the masculine root of the same word. Sexual immorality includes anything that is outside of sex being in the context of marriage as defined by that Greek word. So people say, where does it say in the Bible that you can't have sex with somebody if they ain't your wife? Right there. That's where it says it. <laughs> you want the verse? Write it down. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I mean, we can, I can give you more, but let's just start there. Do not let there even be a hint of sexual immorality. So last year... Uh, I was talking about this passage, and I pulled out a double cheeseburger, and I said, man, I really love double cheeseburgers. Anybody else here like double cheeseburgers? Yes. And, and so then what I did was is that, is, that I, is that I pulled out a little bag of dog poopy, and, uh, and I took a knife, and I put a little dog poop, and I smeared it on, on the bread on the inside of, of, the, of the double cheeseburger in front of everybody. And I said, and I said uh, you know, man, it's just, look, it's 99% double cheeseburger. Like, it's only got a hint of poop on it. So it's really not that big of a deal. Like, you want to eat it, and everybody's like, oh, that's gross. I would never eat that. Of course you would never eat that. Even with just a little hint of poop on it, it makes it gross. It, 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 it pollutes the whole entire sandwich. And the same thing goes, what he's saying here, 
there must not be even be a hint of sexual immorality in you. That when you begin to move in that direction, you begin to cross those lines. Like in your relationship with God, it puts up these barriers. It begins to, it begins to you know, ruin the whole part. Now, listen, I love double cheeseburgers too much to mess up two double cheeseburgers in my lifetime. I don't have that within me to do that, to, to mess up two double cheeseburgers. So I would prefer just to give the double cheeseburger to somebody than I would actually to have, you know, do something else right here. And we've got these two hungry men right there. Uh, well, and, uh, and uh, hey, hey, five-second rule, man. We're good. We're good. You make sure you share that. Now, the double cheeseburger might be a little cold because I bought it before the service started. So, uh, so uh, yeah, but it'll be all right. Here, you can heat it up with this. He's got it. Christian has it. Oh, and he's splitting it. Look at you sharing. You're so sweet. <laughs> so, so, you, so you see, you see what, what happens here is that we see that God says, listen, man, there shouldn't even be a hint of sexual immorality among you. There shouldn't even be a hint, not even a sliver, not even like .00001% of sexual immorality among you because you need to, your bodies are for the Lord. And that's what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to be getting there in a second. But then he goes on and he says, but since sexual immorality is occurring... Each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. In other words, this is what I've designed it for. This is so the lust and all the things that you have built up within you can be enjoyed in the context of marriage. And then he goes on and he says the husband should fulfill his marital duty with his wife. In other words, men, it says it is your duty to fulfill that with your wife. So I love the Bible. And, uh, and likewise, the wife with her husband. And so the same with the wife and her husband. And, uh, and so basically what this saying is, is that, yes, yeah, sex for pro procreation, of course it is. Is sex for pleasure? Of course it is. That is what the Bible is telling us right here. Then he goes on and he says, and in verse 4, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In other words, that when you get married to that person, now all of a sudden, your body isn't yours anymore, but it's his. And then he goes on and he says, and the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. So no longer is my body mine, but it's also my wife's. So our bodies are each other's. And then, and then he say, goes on and he says... Do not deprive each other except for mutual consent for a time so that you may devote yourself in prayer, which is crazy. I don't know if anybody might want to do that. And then, then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you for your lack of self-control. And so basically what he tells us here is that you need to participate in that together. That's what God designed it. God put boundaries on it. So it's a good thing. It's something that God created, but that's what he created it for. And so it's not one of these things where you say, oh, well, God created this good thing and he dangles it out here and says, oh, but you can't touch that. I mean, that's how we feel sometimes, right? I mean, that's how I felt. But I'm telling you that you need to honor God with your bodies. And you need to honor God with this issue. Because I'm telling you, there is nothing that will be more catastrophic in your marriage and in your relationships than if you cross the line in this area. I promise you. I'm telling you right now, the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life, and I've done some difficult things, the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life is to have to sit in front of my wife who saved herself for her husband and tell her that I messed up, that I crossed lines that I shouldn't have crossed, that I'm not a virgin. Hardest thing I've ever done in my life. 
by far. Because I loved this woman and I knew that she could have easily said to me, Derek, I saved myself for my husband. And since you didn't save yourself for me, you're not the right guy for me. I mean, this is serious. See, I know what people say. So my buddies used to always say, oh, you got to test drive it before you take it off the lot, man, just like a car, right? You know how stupid that is? Let me, just, let me just place that question to you like this. How many people in this room want to know that your future husband or your future wife is out test driving a bunch of girls and a bunch of guys before y'all get married? Nobody. I mean, let's think about this logically. People say, well, what happens, man? You get married, you don't really know what you're doing. Oh, bro, you will figure it out. Read a book. Talk to a friend. You say, well, what if it's not good? Well, you got 50 years of your marriage to practice and get better at it. Somebody give me a hanky up here to wave around. I mean, people are just stupid. They just throw stuff out. They think they're being, oh, yeah, you got to test drive that guy. Hey, bro, you, man, that's weird, man. Y'all, so hold on a second. So hold on a second, Derek. Like, I know you're a youth pastor. You're like one of those guys. I, I know that. So, so let me get this straight. You are going to marry your wife, but you guys aren't going to do it before you get married. Yes. That's weird, bro. That's just weird. Like, like what if it doesn't work, bro? Let's be serious. So come on, man. Let's stop making excuses. Let's stop trying to, trying to say, hey, we can do this and we can do that and it's not a big deal. Listen, it may not be a big deal to you, but it is a big deal to God. And let me tell you something. It will be a big deal to your wife one day and it will be a big deal to your husband one day. 100% it will be. 100%. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I want you to notice how this whole passage is booked in, book ended by the point that our bodies are for the Lord. So let's read this passage. He's got it up on the screen. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality. There's that word pornaya again. But for the Lord and the Lord for the body. But his by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will also raise us. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? So you call yourself a believer. You call yourself a Christian. You are now members of the body of Christ. You are members of Christ himself. He lives in you. You live in him. The Bible says 164 times, Paul says, you have been placed in in Christ, and so you're placed in the family of God, and so Jesus lives within you, so now you are united as one with him, and then he says, shall I then take the members of Christ, Jesus himself, and unite him with a prostitute? That's the word pornade. This is literally a woman who wants to take sexual action against a man, so it can be translated prostitute, it can be translated as a hoochie mama, whatever you want to translate it at. And it says, never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. In other words, God has placed this boundary around and he says, listen, that when you have sex with someone, when you do this thing, this now unites you with this person as one flesh. You are now bonded together because this is how I've designed it to be. 
And so what happens is that when we go around and we just you, treat sex casually, all of a sudden we're uniting ourselves in one flesh with all of these different people and we're giving pieces of our heart and pieces of our life and pieces of ourselves away to all these different people pieces and by the time we get to the place we're ready to get married we have none of that left to give the person that God designed for us to be with for the rest of our life be careful caution yourself but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit and then he gives us the game plan Flee sexual immorality, all other sins a person commits are outside the body. In other words, he puts uh, sexual sin in a category of his own. He says, listen here, all other sins that you commit are outside the body, but when you sin sexually, you sin against your own body. And then he says, but whoever sins sexually sins against his own body. Do, not, do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit? In other words, the Holy Spirit of God, God the Holy Spirit resides in you. Who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You have been bought with the price. Therefore, listen, honor God with your bodies. Honor God with your bodies. Every single person in this room should memorize verse 18 through 20. Flee sexual immorality. All other sins are committed outside the body. When you sin sexually, you sin against your own body. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of God? Honor God with your bodies. Honor God with your bodies. See, the game plan that God gives us is flee, run in the other direction. The reality is there are some sins that are, that are in our life that we cannot manage on our own. And so if you put yourself in certain situations, you will fall. It is, it is just, that's just how it is. You say, well, what does it mean to flee? Literally, the Greek word there means to run in the other direction, to get out of there. It was a guy who would, who would be hanging out on the outskirts of the city, and when he would see the enemies mounting up for battle to come and attack his city, he would run full speed to get to his city to Tell his people, get the women and the children, pack them up, get them out the back of the city. Men, get ready. We got to go to battle. I mean, this guy is running for his life. Practically speaking, you're in a relationship with a girl and y'all are hanging out and all of a sudden you're at the house alone together, which you should never do that. It always sets you up for disaster and you start talking, y'all start hanging out and you start holding hands, you start kissing, cuddling. All of a sudden, things start going in that direction. Your motor's going. All of a sudden, the flame begins to be kindled. The fire begins to be kindled. The spark is, is getting, adding fuel to it. And so you're like, man, I've, I've got to do something. Like, dude, make up an excuse. Like, lie. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't do that. But I mean, what you're going to do is you're going to say, baby, all right, but, but listen, I got to go. I got to go. I mean, go. I don't care what you do. Run out of the house. Run 10 laps around the house until you puke. I don't care what you do. Do you got to flee. You got to get out of there. Go home. Get out of there. You walk in the house. You see your parents aren't there. You know something might can happen. Then you just say, hey, listen, why don't we go hang out at Starbucks or something? Let's get out of here. I know that if I stay in this house, something is going to happen. You have to flee. You have to run. You're clicking on the computer. You're browsing through. All of a sudden, a picture pops up on the screen. Pictures typically don't just pop up on the screen, just for your information. Stop using that as an excuse. Picture pops up on the screen, and he's like, oh, let me click on that. Let me go a little further. Let me... No, bro, you got to flee. How do you flee? Log out. Turn the computer off. Pour water on it. Do what you got to do. Get out of there. Right, go jump in the shower. Take a cold shower. Do what you need to do. You got to flee. You got to run, because let me tell you something. The Bible tells us the enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to destroy you, and sex is the way that he is destroying our culture. Period. And let me tell you something. I can name you in rapid succession just off the top of my head ten people I know 
that have gotten divorced because porn has ruined their marriage. They're not even attracted to their wives anymore. Porn is poison. Poison. That is not the pastorally thing to say. That is the truth. And porn is not just a guy issue. It is a girl issue too. We need to wake up here. We need to be careful. We have to flee sexual immorality. And see, I know what some of you are saying. Some of you are saying, I'm not crossing line in my relationships. I'm not crossing lines in, with guys and with, with girls and whatever. I'm not crossing those lines, Derek. You may not be crossing those lines, but you're crossing other lines. You're not honoring God with your bodies. Your bodies are for the Lord. What does that mean? Your bodies are for the Lord so you can serve other people with your bodies, so that you can worship Him with your bodies, so that you can use your bodies for His glory, not so that you can then go and do things that you shouldn't be doing. Now, I'll give you some examples. We talked about this, some of the residents and I, Matt, Austin, Danny and I, we're talking about, man, we just have to turn our Facebooks off over spring break time. It's like every time you get on Facebook, man, on your news feed always is a different girl posting these pictures of her and her cute little bikini posing and all this kind of stuff. Like you really want to show people that you're at the beach. You want people to look at your picture and right over there in the top corner, oh, your body is so hot. Oh, you're so pretty. Oh, you're so cute. Oh, you're so whatever. Let's go on and on and on. Listen, ladies, just so you know, I know guys they get on Facebook and browse Facebook and look at pictures of girls on their Facebook like they do porn. And you think I'm joking? Ask some of your buddies. Ask some of your guy friends if that doesn't happen. And you got your Instagram, you're thinking, oh, this is cute. Ladies, 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 listen, we know what you're doing. I'm like, dang, man, that girl is in our youth group. What is she doing right now, man? Come on. I mean, let's just talk about it. Let's talk about it. You can, you can dishonor God, and it has nothing to do with that, man. You're, you're on your phone, and you're texting your boyfriend, like, hey, you know, what are you wearing? What are you doing? da 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 da, da. And you start texting each other and all this kind of stuff. Listen, that does not honor God. You are, you are beginning to set things aflame over text message. Listen, let's, let's just call it like it is. I talk to guys all the time, and they tell me, that it is pretty common for girls to be texting pictures of themselves naked. They send it to their boyfriends, they send it to other people, and listen, I know this, I've been a youth pastor for a while now, I know this because I've also talked on, with girls who have done this, and their boyfriends are doing stupid stuff with that, because now they're not together anymore, so they're like, hey man, bro, whatever. Let me tell you something, if you text a naked picture of yourself to a guy, I promise you, within 24 hours, he showed it to at least five people. I promise. 
You say, no, he's my boyfriend. He loves me. He would never do that. Please. Please. And respect yourself a little more. And guys, let me tell you something. Or girls. If you got a picture on your phone of someone who is under 18 years old, and they are in the nude, that is child pornography. And if you were to leave your phone laying somewhere in school and somebody picked up your phone and turned that phone in and the police saw that, they would charge you with child pornography. It has happened. And you will be labeled a sex offender for the rest of your life and you will never get a job anywhere. You could not serve in this high school ministry for the rest of your life. He said, all it was was when I was 14, I had a picture of my girlfriend on my phone. Nobody cares. It's child pornography. See, a lot of people don't know that, so they don't think it's a big deal. And then people get on this, I forget what it's called. It's like, it's like Snapfish or something like that where you take a picture. That thing. You like, people are like, oh, yeah. Oh, Snapfish. Hey, you better fun of me, girl. I'll take you out right now. And, you know, people are like, oh, it's no big deal. I'll, I'll take this picture, but in three seconds it's gone. All I got to do is take my finger and go like that, and it, and it screenshots my phone. I mean, you see that picture, you think it's going to be gone, and that guy's like, sneak. <laughs> hey, bro, check this out. Come on, man. Honor God with your bodies. Honor God with your bodies. Make sure I got everything here. Porn. Ladies, we have to be careful. I'm just going to tell you, us guys, we're visual. And a lot of times, we don't dress to be cute. We dress to be sexy. We dress to impress. And I want to challenge you, you ladies, to just, just for a minute, just... Just think for a minute about the fact that, that you have guys around you that want to follow Jesus, that want to have pure hearts and pure minds, and you come walking by them, and they're like, yeah, man. Uh, don't look, don't look. You know? I mean, I say this all the time. I say this pretty much every year. I say, man, girls always say to me, guys treat us like me, guys treat us like me. And I always say, man, if you stop dressing and acting like a piece of meat, guys will stop treating you like a piece of meat. At the same time, if you're at the same time, if you're a guy, if you're a guy who treats girls like a piece of meat, somebody needs to beat your face in because you're a loser. See, I know what happens. What happens is, what happens is this. What happens is, ladies, you think, oh, it's not a big deal. I'm covering up. But the clothes you're wearing are so daggone tight that it doesn't even matter. Like, you know, this is, this is the conversation I have. Guys talk to me all the time. They're like, man, it's so hard, man. I come to youth group and girls are wearing these, like, these tight leggings, man. And they're so stinking tight. And it's like everywhere I go, it's like I can't even look. I look over here, you know. The girl's shirt's like up to here. And, dude, let me tell you what leggings are. Leggings are pantyhose that are a little thicker. That's all they are. And so you wear those things. You think, man, I'm safe. I got these things on. Like, da, 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 da. No, you're wearing those because you want to look cute and because you want guys to think that you're hot and sexy and all those kind of things because it holds everything in place because it's tight and all that kind of stuff. And that's why you wear them. Let, let me just... 
Let me just take a poll. Let me just take a poll. Guys, would you be so bold as, and if this isn't you, then, then please, by all means, don't stand up. If you're a guy in here and you say, hey, man, sometimes, man, I have a hard time with those leggings things. Like, the girls walk around me in those leggings things, and, they're, and I'm like, dang, girl, mm, God, I can't. I, be, I mean, I got, come on, Jesus. Take captive every thought of Jesus. Flee sexual immorality. I mean, you like, you know, you're like trying to like worship God and there's a girl saying, you know what I'm saying? Man, if that's you, man, and that, and you just be honest and say, man, that's just, that's just something, that's just something, man, I want you, I just want you to stand up. If that's you, you say. Listen, ladies, and, men, and those guys aren't perverts, those guys are men. And you start laying it, you know what I'm saying? You start laying it out there. All right, all right, all right, let's bring it back in. So this is what I know. What I know is, is that there's some of you in this room that have had some struggles. Maybe it's with the porn thing. Maybe it's with some self-image things, and that's why you put yourself out there in that way. Maybe you've done some things that you're not proud of. Maybe you've given your life to Christ, your life is completely changed now, but you live with the guilt of some of the things that you did before Christ. What you need to know is that there's forgiveness through Jesus Christ. That God loves you and God is not done with you. And that God cares about marriage and he sets up boundaries around it. God cares about sex and he sets up boundaries around it. And if you honor God with your bodies and you honor God in the way that he says to honor him, he will honor you. And I can prove it because research shows that people who get married together who are virgins have better sex lives than people who get married and have had sex before. That's what the research shows. See, because there's no baggage they're bringing into the marriage. They're not bringing psychological baggage. They're not bringing in all these other things into the marriage. And people are worrying about, well, is, is he comparing me to her? Is she comparing me to him? And all this, none of that stuff matters. Because you've kept yourself for one another. You've honored God. Let me tell you something. Honor God with your bodies. Honor God with your bodies. I don't really know how to close out tonight other than say, man, some of you need to do some business with God. And I know that every person in this room is guilty because every person in this room is lusted. Every person in this room has crossed the lines physically. And so we need to be careful. We need to guard ourselves. And I also want to tell you that you're not alone. Studies also show that there are about 80% of high school students are making it to their senior year as virgins and over 50% are graduating high school as virgins and a lot of times we think man everybody's doing sex 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 it's all around all this kind of stuff it's not like you think it is and if you're in here and you've kept yourself pure and you've honored God with your bodies let me tell you this bravo keep it up keep pressing forward keep honoring God with that I'm so proud of you, and I know God will honor your relationship in the future. So, with that being said, the band's going to come up here. They're going to close us out.
And as the band closes us out tonight, I just want to ask you to do business with God. I want to ask you to, you know, for some of you, you may need to repent. You may need to turn some things over to God. For some of you, you need to make decisions to break up and get out of relationships that you're in right now because they're not honoring God. That's the first thing you need to do. Because listen, ladies and men, let me tell you something. Ladies, if that guy does not have the self-control to keep his hands off of you in y'all's dating relationship, then how do you know he's not going to have the self-control to keep his hands off of other women when you are married? Or how do you know he's going to have the self-control to keep his hands off of other women if he gets the opportunity? Listen, if there's a guy pushing you in that area of your relationship, he's got to, like we talked about last week, get his relationship right with God first because there is something that is off. So... With that being said, do business with God. Some of you may need to come down to the altar. You need to pray. Some of you may need to grab a leader. Some of you may need to just pray at your seat. Some of you may just want to worship God and thank Him for His grace and His goodness and that He has, you know, forgiven you for those things. And you don't have to hang on to that guilt and all that kind of stuff anymore.